You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that thou... Well, if you were a kid my age, or my age... 40 years ago. On this very day, January 24th, you would be headed home from worship at your church to watch your television screen and see something like this. There's the music we all remember. Pitfall, the number one selling game of 1980, Christmas season. We've come a long way with computers, haven't we? Or have we? But I bet you'll never forget what chapter 7 marks now in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus goes from laying out the principles of living a godly life to the pitfalls that await us even when we properly understand and try to implement his teachings. One of the most common that he covers this day is religious enthusiasm. Particularly enthusiasm for those who would make the spiritual life in some way easier than what Jesus has spent the last two chapters outlining for us. Our fleshly appetites, as St. Paul would call them in our letter to the Galatians today, always leave us open to this kind of enthusiasm. Now, human stories are replete with warnings that not everything is as it would appear to be. Most of us know this story from our childhood. It is not grandmother, sick in bed, whom Little Red Riding Hood goes to visit, but one who would wish to devour her. The sort of wolves in sheep's clothing that Jesus refers to today, false prophets, are those whose teaching would devour us even when it's not motivated by hate or greed. Motivated only by perhaps a sincere but wrong understanding of God's word. Now there are two sorts of false prophets, just as there are two sorts of prophecy in the Old Testament A very small minority of prophecy in the Old Testament is actually predictive of the future. But there are people claiming to speak for God today who constantly or consistently claim that they have a word of prophecy, a word from the Lord, a prediction about the future. This is the easier kind of false prophet to identify because you simply have to look and see whether their prophecies come true. And as we do so, we should remember 
that the Old Testament clearly laid out the penalty for claiming to speak on God's behalf and not doing so, speaking falsely as death. It is no small thing, even in the New Covenant, to claim to speak for God or have a word of prophecy direct from Him. This is why we are told in the New Testament to test the spirits that come our way. People can be inordinately attached to and loyal to false prophets because oftentimes their false prophecy is of the second kind and this is probably the more common kind of false prophecy in, now that in this era of the church. It's false prophecy that addresses the social and political concerns of our day. Economic, familial. This is what most of the Old Testament prophecy addresses as well. But when it's false prophecy, it's fairly easy to identify as well. Though not as easy as simple predictions that don't come true. The most common kind of false prophecy that comes our way in this era is that which would make life in Christ, the godly life, easier for us than the exacting standards of the Word of God. The printed Word of God and first and foremost, the Word of God made flesh. The person who gives this warning to us today, Jesus Christ Himself. And I want to make clear here that these come from both the left and the right ends of the spectrum. People who will tell us that we don't need to do what Scripture clearly tells us we need to do or don't need to do what it tells us to do. Excuse me, or tell us we we can do something else that it tells us not to do. Especially when those words come from the New Testament because yes, the New Covenant set aside some of the ritual laws of the Old Testament. But the words of the New Testament, the new revelation in Christ, are completely binding us on us because Christ was the fulfillment of all the law and the prophets. We should beware of people who tell us we can do what the Scripture tells us clearly we cannot. especially when they tell us we have a better understanding today. Jesus might have not known when he was coming back again, but we have a new word from God. We've been told by the New Testament we cannot act in this or that way, but we know better now. Our politics and our understanding have improved. These are false prophets. And Jesus tells us we will know a false prophet from a godly teacher by their fruits. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. People who outwardly appear to be but an innocent sheep like us, as Luther said, one beggar telling other beggars where to find bread can still cast a wolfish shadow if we examine their lives. So where do healthy trees come from? They come from good seed. 
In the parable of the sower, Jesus tells us that the seed is the word of God and we know this to be true from our experience. It is the word of God that continually from generation to generation renews the church and calls people to faith. It is the Holy Spirit's chosen means of doing so. Have you ever seen how a seed, no matter how widely it's scattered, takes root? I'm going to invite you to turn your attention to the screen here on this wonderful video, which you can find on YouTube. We'll link it eventually uh, when this broadcast is over so you can see the original. Notice that the first thing that the seed sends out is a root, and it's the tap root, which goes deep, seeking for water and nourishment. So does the seed of the Word of God take root in our souls, and then we begin to grow in breadth as we are nourished by the pure water of God's Word. We connect ever more deeply with the Word of God and with the people of God until finally there's visible growth above the soil line. And only when the growth above ground begins in earnest can we see the progression into the kind of growth we all hope to experience spiritually and should crave. Growth into full maturity. Such growth comes naturally if the seed of God's Word is tended. If God's Word is rightly understood and is planted in our hearts, it may be encouraged or retarded by our care or neglect, our keeping of the spiritual disciplines or lack thereof. But when it is rightly understood and falls in good soil, and I turn you to elsewhere in the Gospels to find out what Jesus meant by that, it will naturally, of its own accord, grow into the kind of plant it is supposed to be, a mature plant of discipleship. Now, no matter what kind of fruit a tree produces, it is the kind appropriate to the tree in question. The final tree, the grown tree, the mature tree which produces fruit bears a genetic resemblance to the seed that was originally planted. In other words, it's like it in kind even though it's not like it in appearance. So, an orange seed will always produce an orange tree which will produce in the end the fruit of the orange. In the same way, the seed of the Word of God, rightly understood, will flower into full and godly fruit. And what Jesus encourages us to do today to avoid the pitfall of false religious enthusiasm and false prophecy is ask us to evaluate the fruit of those who would teach us God's Word. No matter, we're all a little bit different in the way we'll bear that fruit. 
But do those who claim to teach us the word of God, who claim that they rightly divide the word of God, do we see in their lives fruit that is like the character of Christ, or at least like the character of the apostles? I don't mean perfection, but I mean an earnest striving after those things that we see St. Paul identifying as the natural fruit, the natural thing that comes forth when a person is growing in the Spirit? And do we see them strangling off in their lives the works of the flesh that he outlines? Do those who would teach us exhibit increasing amounts of, first of all, repentance when they fail, first and foremost, and then love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control are these things more and more evident in their lives. These are people, if these processes, if this is more evident in their lives, these are people we can trust to take the spiritual journey with. people whose counsel we can turn to when we are perplexed by the word and who we can be assured in humility will seek our counsel when perplexed in turn. Jesus has given us the seed of his word in this sermon. Let us make sure we are not given false hope by false teachers in exchange for it. Will you join me for a word of prayer? Gracious Lord, even when we rightly understand your word and are led by your indwelling spirit, our flesh rises in opposition. We want it to be easier. We want it to be more entertaining. We want it to be more flashy and exciting than the life of careful and patient discipleship often is. The life of spiritual discipline wherein we strangle the works of the flesh that your spirit may have more free course within our spirit. Lord, we pray that you would increase in us the gifts of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control that we might better reflect your glory and call people to your word and trust in him who is your word incarnate, Jesus Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. My vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me save that Thou art. Be Thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping.